You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the only comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Hey! I'm not actually sure that saying the only comic book movie podcast is actually true. I yeah. I stopped doing that. It might be false advertising. We're only the best comic book movie podcast because we're one of, like, two. Yeah, so. I mean, it's it's like a, a small... I get nothing. I'm pretty sure that if you Google comic book movie podcast, you get us and one other podcast that gave up like two years ago. That's my guess. All right. We win by default. Yeah, that's English our tagline. Words in the English language. <laughs> the one that didn't give up and just has a, an empty blog spot now. That's us. <laughs> a blog spot? Yeah, I try to think of the mo- one of the more antiquated ways to refer to a website. For a there is actually podcast. a legitimate chance that I made us a blog site when we started this, or a WordPress <laughs> or something. It better be a update. fucking Zanga. It better be a Zanga. It's an old angel fire. Just, uh, uh, you can find us at deadjournal.com slash not another origin story. If you get that joke, you're old like us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people are like, I don't understand. What's oh, the bullshit that used to be the internet back in dial-up days? So, Speaking of things that are old. Hey, what a segue. <laughs> we you... watched Captain America, a 70-year-old superhero. Uh, the first Avenger, Marvel's uh, introduction to Captain America, and its sort of introduction to characters and plot points that would appear in the Avengers. Also, a, a sixth attempt at making uh, Chris Evans a, a, a hero character that he doesn't hate to do. And this one, he nailed it. Uh-huh. I don't know his feelings on uh, his character in The Losers, but, you know... That was a comic book movie. We will get to that when we do it. Yeah, I was surprised how, how many comic book movies out there, by doing this podcast, I was surprised to find how many are comic book movies that people just have no idea about. There yeah, are a lot. It's too many, one might say, judging by surrogates. Uh, we're still still sticking in our crawl, yeah, guys. still mad. But we're we're covering Captain America, which uh, which if, if you are failing to recall it, it came out in 2011. Uh, sometime after or around Iron Man 2, it preceded the Avengers, hence the first Avenger tagline. Uh, and it was sort of um, one of those founding blocks of the MCU that is kicking harder than any other like film canon out there right now. I mean, it's going nuts. Yeah, Captain America has only gotten better in every film he's been in. So it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do with him now that he's no longer Captain America. Since he's, you know, re- oh, spoilers, I guess, for Civil War, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Uh, it's Don't worry. DVD. We're just going to learn all about uh, the Nomad, uh, the terrible uh, attempt in the in the 80s to adapt him to a new audience where he, like, abandoned America because of, like, the Cold War or something. Uh, he stopped because of some sort of corrupt mission the government sent him on. It was one of two times he quit being Captain America. Or actually, the Nomad might have been when he killed somebody and he had like a crisis of faith and he stopped being Captain America for a while. It, it, I forget. Those are two things that happened. And he it, wore a cape and he tripped on it. It would be kind That's... of cool to quit your job and just do like a stupider version of your job in a worse outfit. Be a yeah. fun way to live. <laughs> if you sort of want to look like a like a pirate from a like a Peter Pan play with a cape. That was sort of his costume. It's a terrible cut, co- and he has like a mask that is cut so his hair can stick out for some reason. Yeah, it's you, not you, a good look. You gotta. And there is literally a, a panel in the comic where he trips on his own cape and says, "This is why I don't wear a cape." 
You gotta Google it. It's bad. And it came in like 10 different flavors, even in that own limited run. Like the Nomad didn't last for a long time. But there's there's actually a capeless version where yeah, he's, he puts wearing it after like the beginning. He's got like a mullet, and it's pretty bad. Like he's got a serious like '80s mullet. It, I was gonna say there was a point I think like in the late '80s, early '90s where he sort of got the haircut that Riggs has in uh, Lethal Weapon. Like, although I think that was mullet. <laughs> I think that was Jack Monroe. I think that was a different character adapted in the Nomad label. It's terrible. No one remembers the yeah, Nomad. There's multiple people who have been the Nomad. Captain America was replaced by the guy who later became U.S. agent, who also went insane. Also decided uh, to have the worst name in superheroes. There is, yeah, there's a lot of bizarre things that happen with Captain America, including uh, a series of people who replaced him during like series of comics that came out in the '60s before Marvel relaunched him as being found and frozen in the ice, but Captain America had already come back a couple of times and failed the series. And so they had to pretend like those weren't Steve Rogers. They were just people pretending to be Captain America to try to live on to the legacy. It's like an insane retconning they did later on for, like, no one's benefit, because, like, nobody reading the comic was like, hey, what about the 60s, Captain America? You know what I mean? It was yeah. just seemed unnecessary to address it at all. Uh, he, he also had to tell his costume designer to take the, uh, take his collar down to his belt buckle. That's not an exaggeration of his costume. It is, it, he looks like, uh, it looks like something like one of the golden girls would wear. Can you get, that's like a weird, <laughs> can you have side boobs of pecs? Is that a thing? Yeah. If you get big enough pecs, bro, it's a, yeah. it's a legit problem. I would it's a know. real side I'm, pec like, situation going shit, on. Since yeah. This is a, a non-visual medium. I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like pumping iron phases i mean it's i can't even like it's it's rough guys i'm so stacked uh <laughs> moving on uh this was a rough one i think <coughs> excuse me this was a this is one of my favorite superhero movies captain america is my favorite traditional superhero uh in comics sorry i thought i was gonna cough again <clears throat> so this was kind of a a weird watch you know because uh, we kind of watch these with the eye to kind of point jokes at some of them but it, it i found some some moments there that it's are an, it, yeah it's interesting because i've seen this movie before and i remember liking it in the theaters when i saw it in 2011 but in re-watching it i realized i forgot about 85 percent without exaggeration of this movie i forgot nearly all of it and in re-watching it i certainly enjoyed it but just as it came to a conclusion or while it was wrapping up i'm like i could go ahead and not watch this for another couple of years and that'd be fine I found that uh, while watching it, I started it much later than I wanted to yesterday, and I have not been sleeping well, so I wanted to go to bed early. So the section where he goes to rescue uh, the 107, I just skipped all the way until they're back in England, because I was like, I know what happens, and nothing happens that's worth watching for the pot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to have some great joke or zinger. It's just basically a fight sequence that lasts too long. So well, I skipped like a good 20 minutes of the like, – I realized, too, how long that sequence is. Yeah. When I was like going and it's like broken into two chapters. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I particularly like that sequence, though. But there's a lot I liked about this movie while it was in front of me. And I had a ton of really good things to say about it. Uh, I think it's it dodged so many cliches in, in a lot of ways, like movie cliches, like movie plot cliches in yeah. small and big ways. So I have to give it tons of insane credit for that. Uh, I, I mean, just so you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Like, for instance, he's running, uh, chasing after that agent that uh, that assassinated the doctor that made him into 
Captain America. And uh, that that evil Russian guy or German guy or whatever grabs like just a random kid and just whips him into like the ocean. Yeah, I saw that, and the, the every listener or every listener every 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 watcher of this movie out there was like, okay, now the sequence goes. He jumps in the water to save the kid, and the guy gets away. Instead, he looks down, and the kid's just like, I can fucking swim. Go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I love, I love when the kid's like, I can swim. Get him. That was such, like, a great twist. And I remember seeing that in the theater, and I was like, oh, that's, like, such a... That's trope dodging right there. Yeah, that's trope dodging, which I appreciate when I see it. It's why... It's when I know a good horror movie is when they give you a trope and they feed it in front of you, and you kind of, like, in the back of your mind, you're rolling your eyes, like, oh, here's the sequence with the mirror, and then there's going to be a guy behind her. Uh, And then they don't do it. You're like, oh, shit, they get it. They get it. I don't know what to expect. You know, that's a good feeling in a movie. Yeah, there are definitely some some good dodges, but this does fall. There's a couple of tropes this movie does fall into. Oh, absolutely. The first one that I would think of is uh, the movie starts in Norway. No, in like it a, starts with a uh, cold. Oh, open. right, in Antarctica. But it's a it's a cold open. Cause okay, let's just all give Ben his moment. It's because <laughs> they're in the ice part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's cold. Yeah, because the, the because water froze because the temperature is so low. So it's. Yep. Mm-hmm. You done? You get it all out? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so we find, which I thought was in a way, like sort of a ballsy way to start the movie, because I was like, all right, as beloved a character as Captain America is, and as well known a character comic book wise, his origin and sort of his death are not like. The Superman, you know, I mean, like everybody knows Superman came to Earth from another planet that blew up. Everybody knows Batman's parents died. Everybody knows Captain America gets super soldier serum. But like most people don't know how he ended up frozen and how he comes back to life, you know, in the modern times. So I thought it was kind of weird that they were just like, "Eh, let's just explain the end of this movie right now. So like the climax of the film, when he jumps on that plane, if you have any sort of short term memory, you're like, oh, he's going to crash this in Antarctica. You know what I mean? Like you just know what's going to happen. That's true. So I was but, like, it's kind of a ballsy move in a way. I think it's a larger idea that people also know that the Avengers movie is coming up and he's in it and this movie's set in like World War II. So I think there's an expectation that something like this has to exist. Yeah, and I was glad that they set the movie in World War II and they didn't try to do anything weird or, you know, try to have like a modern story where they sort of like just did flashbacks. I appreciate that they did a straight origin. And this movie is very close to Captain America's actual origin story as far as the Erkson, him working for the Nazis first, uh, him being shot by an assassin, and that's why they can never replicate the super soldier serum because no. he refused to write anything down because he was afraid somebody would get it and use it against, you know, good. Uh, uh, not, not to mention the fact that I, I always associated the ice, like, freezing concept with the Ultimates rendition, which is sort of what reacquainted me with Captain America, which, if you haven't read, go read the Ultimates. Um... But this was actually his 1864 storyline, like in in like the Avengers number four or something, when they reintroduce Captain America after he's been sort of a dead uh, property since like well since like around World War Two. Um, yeah, like I said, they did try to bring him back a couple of times, but like if a failed time during like the Vietnam era where being patriotic probably wasn't you know like it was sometimes yeah. not viewed well. So it was not a great time to try to bring back the symbol of America. <laughs> Yeah, as like, he's like, yeah. as he's like napalming villages. It's like, Ugh. yeah, exactly. Well, they're burning the flag in the street. It's probably not a great idea to bring back a character who's primarily a flag. Uh, yeah, protesters lighting Captain America on fire would be a depressing way to end the comic book. 
I don't know. Let's try it and see. Let's but find I, out. I did appreciate they did change uh, the events of Bucky's death and how Captain America ends up frozen, which is fine because the end, the way it happens in the comics is sort of weird. And uh, this one, by, this by one was weird, more heroic. By weird, do you mean that when he's found frozen, it's by Namor, who finds like a ancient village of people worshipping a block of ice that has Captain America in it, but he doesn't check to find Captain America's in it, so he picks it up and throws it into the ocean, and it melts, and then uh, a bunch of people just find him. Oh, is that the Ultimates version? No, that's like the ancient, like, 1960s version. No, in the 1960s, the Avengers find him frozen in the ice in a sub. I don't know why they're in a fucking sub, though. There's definitely some version that I was reading about that had a name. Yeah, no, they find him and he's, they think he's dead, and they wake him up and they realize he's Captain America, and he freaks out. Yeah. Because I've read that story where he comes back, and then he, like, in the comics, you want to talk about a dude who adapts. Like, they wake him up, and they're like, it's the future, and he's just like, dumb. Wow, that's weird. Well, actually, like, he has no reaction. You're just like, well, I guess comics in the like the 60s and 70s weren't like real deep into story. Like, yeah, you accept it so quickly that you're just like, oh, that's kind of this guy might be a sociopath. Go read the one page origin story of the Fantastic Four. It's like four panels, <laughs> and yeah. they're just they're fine with it in four panels. Um, but this is the ultimate version that occurs at the end, where they try to replicate his time period in an attempt to like make like ease him into reality, and they fail, and he just beats a bunch of people up. Can we talk about that real quick? This is Shield. They they build a helicarrier. They're supposed to be like the world's largest intelligence organization. What fucking idiot picked a game from 1941? You knew he didn't die till 44 or 45. Why didn't you just be like, pick a Dodgers game from 46? Like, I don't, that to me is just like such a weird thing that they were like, that's how he knows it's fake. I'm like, well, that's just dumb by its shield. <laughs> so, um, I'm not guys, because they should have picked a 1950s game when Vince Scully had taken over and it would have come oh full my circle. God. Not another baseball reference. Come but, on, uh, you give that guy credit. He went from the 50s till now. <laughs> So uh, one of the things that I that got me to realize that I was in for a good movie, despite knowing that I'd already seen it and liked it, was uh, a reminder of such the good fucking cinematography in this movie. I know that's a weird thing to praise in a superhero movie because we're so focused on a ton of other things. Yeah. But this sequence that happens is when um, is when a pre-Red Skull um, – what is his name? Like when he's not the Red Skull? Johan – Yeah. A pre a pre Red Skull Johan uh, kind of blasts open that like old church and beats up an old dude to take the Tesseract, right? Uh, He's technically already the Red Skull then. He's just wearing a mask. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, but he comes blasting in there and he's standing at the entrance and they just light him in such a way that it looks like he's already wearing the Red Skull, like or or has the Red Skull. I mean, uh, I say wearing because yeah, the comic, he yeah, just wears a mask, but. Um, retcon later yeah uh to the, to the origin that he has in the movies yeah yeah he steps up and and he's just got this like crazy red like like kind of just a hue of light it's not overbearing but if you stop it there you would almost guess he's already in that costume yeah they do like really good work of not being like overt about his skull face but like hinting at it yeah the really uh the good follow-up one is when um is when the doctor uh the professor uh god names are my problem tonight uh, uh, Arnim Zolom. Yeah, Zolom walks. Uh, walks Zola, up. To, I mean. Yeah, Zola walks up to speak to to speak to Johan when he's standing up by his giant window in his like secret eagle eagle's nest fortress, yeah. and 
um, the guy's painting him, and they don't show him. He's in shadow, but you can tell he's got the red skull thing going on. But when he, when he walks up and looks over, the, the, the paint just has a giant palette of just red paint. Like, he clearly yeah. needed to pour extra red to get the, the portrait done. But I like That's a nice touch without there's being, like, super a, direct. Yeah, there's also a great moment with that painter where, as he's walking away, Schmidt turns back on the light that, like, obscured his face, and he said... What do you think, Doctor? And, you know, Zola walks back up. And if you watch the painter's face, he has, like, this, like, tentative look. And when Zola says it's a masterpiece, he, like, noticeably relaxes. Like, it's, it's like, a great little bit where he's, like, afraid that if he says it looks bad, the Red Skull is going to kill him right then. A legit like, you know I mean? fear, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, it's such, like, a good bit from a guy who has no lines. I mean, he's just, like, an extra. <laughs> but, like, you yeah. can really, you really read in his face when he says it's a masterpiece, like, the relief where he's, like, Oh, thank God this guy did not just, like, throw me under the bus. There's a lot that you could critique in this movie, but the script, I don't think, is one of them. The story kind of plods at a couple of points here and there, I'll admit. But some of the lines in this film are just downright good. I love them. The characterization of everyone in this movie, including Agent Carter, who has every right by any Hollywood film to be a useless prop in this movie. And while she doesn't kick a lot of, like, physical ass, she's a commanding presence. badass enough. Yeah. Better than in a normal movie. She's a commanding presence in every scene she's in. Like, she's got the upper hand with Steve in almost every dialogue. She's intelligent. She she, she uh, uncovers a lot of, like, the, the plot points. She's supportive. She's, like, a, she's just, like, a, a full-package character. And I fucking love that about it. Um, but even just one of the small things is that... Uh, one of the one of the most potentials for a bit role in this movie is uh, Tony's dad. Um, oh, what is his Howard name? Stark? Howard Stark had every right to be just like I'm a mustache Stark. Although Look he is doing like a 1940s shtick, a little like bit. The way he's talking, he's talking like real like. But I they could have about this affectation, I guess. They could have injected him for like a scene and then just kicked him out, and they would have they would have. That, that, that would have, they would have gotten away with that just fine. But when they do put him in, I, I kind of really enjoyed every scene that he was in. Like when his when he's at the World's Fair and his his he's got a witty line even when his hover car fails. Yeah, he has like some great line. There's like some legitimately like really good jokes in this movie. Like I yeah. think when he says the thing where he like Captain America keeps questioning whether Agent Carter and Stark have had fondue. And then they cut, and he's just like, wait, it's just cheese and bread? And Stark's like, yep. It's yeah. just like, his, re- his, like, the return is just like, I'm like, that's, like, a really clever joke where you get the idea that it's like, that's how little Steve Rogers, like, how little he gets everything. Yeah. Like, he thought it was some sort of, like, sex thing. And here it's just like, he was like, no, it's just cheese and bread. You know, it's just a dish. I also adored a- is, is later on in the movie when Cap returns from the base with one of the uh, energy packs that's contained, like, the Tesseract-like fuel. Yeah. And and uh, Howard like gets into like examining it. It's not really an important sequence that Howard is looking into it because it doesn't like pay off necessarily. But uh, while he's fucking with it, he's like, oh, it doesn't look anything to really write home about. And then he like tries to do something with it, and it explodes and throws him across the room. And as he like recovers his composure, he just yells to his assistant, "Write that down." Yeah, <laughs> he has some great jokes. <laughs> just write that down. <laughs> I just in general, I, he's like some of the better jokes in the movie. Absolutely. I also think that, I mean, like that, I know this is like a, a real kind of cliche in a way sort of scene, but when Captain America kisses Agent Carter right at the end, and then he's just like standing there and Tom, he looks at Tommy Lee Jones, he's like, I'm not going to kiss you. Like, just yeah. his delivery in the line, I'm like, that's like, 
they they nail people. Which, by the way, I had to say I could not watch Tommy Lee Jones in this movie without thinking of that quote game he played. Yeah, I wanted him to, in his commanding a drill sergeant voice, just look at Captain America and say, "I cannot sanction this buffoonery," <laughs> which would have fit probably in this yeah, movie. Yeah, it would have fit. Um, so I, obviously we're jumping everywhere, but to talk about something that happens in the beginning is what do you feel about um, Tiny Tiny Steve? Pre cap Steve. I think they did as good a job as is possible in taking an, an ordinary sized person and mixing him with a tiny person. I agree. Because, I mean, you know, like the, the way they did it was like there's really an actor who is very slender. He's a British actor, and they would do like three cuts, three shots of each scene one with a blank palette, one with the little guy, and then one with Chris Evans, who's like a foot and a half taller than the other actor. Like, yeah. Doing the lines and getting the face, and then that guy would also then watch Evans' performance and then try to mirror the entire performance himself of what Evans did, just smaller. And so, I mean, it's crazy. It doesn't look as cartoony as it could have. Like, it could have come off real bad. But I think it, it works. I, 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 I kind of like it. Now, it's I can't, like, totally just forget about it, though. You know what I mean? Like, because I oh, know yeah. Chris not, Evans. Yeah, it's so not his... 100% look natural. Yeah, and it's because I think partially because I know Chris Evans and what he looks like, so his face is just – it doesn't look right. And so I can't quite forget about it, but it never annoys me or stands out or ruins the scene. Like, so It's very strange. It's a very yeah. strange thing. And that's happened before. Uh, when we cover Watchmen, I will yell for an hour about how bad they did with the old person makeup in that movie. That was so fucking distracting. So I, it can be done wrong. Did you think it was odd that they just let him use his ordinary voice, though? That he didn't have, like, a higher register to his voice before he became Captain that, America? That might have been part of it. I thought that was, like, I realized, I was like, oh, he sounds exactly like he does when he's Captain America. Why didn't they make him have, like, a like a higher-pitched voice or, like, a softer voice? Like, done something to, like, the register or something? Because I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. He has the exact same voice. But uh, talking about the beginning, you said this movie avoids some tropes. This movie hit one of the the movie tropes which drives me insane in movies it's in tons of movies and the idea is a person has been left to guard something and they're either part of like a secret organization that's been guarding something for thousands of years whatever and somebody shows up and they threaten one individual and this thing that they are going to get could literally destroy the world and the person gives it up it's like that makes no fucking sense because they would know that their loved one's still going to die regardless. And in the beginning, when the old man just quickly gives up the Tesseract, I was like, this is dumb. Like, I don't like it. It just – it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything, but I was just like, ah, oh, that's such a like a bad cliche to me. Like the idea that people will just, after guarding something for like thousands of years, just be like, yeah, I don't want you to shoot my grandkids. Even though you're probably just going to kill them anyways because you're a goddamn Nazi. yeah. That was the other part. I was just like, they drove into your town in a tank that's the size of a building. Do you really think they're just going to drive away in that? Like, <laughs> they're definitely blowing up that city. They brought a lot of people here, and it would be a real sort of anticlimactic if they just drove away. Uh, also, in the scene with where we're introduced to Little Steve, which I guess is actually the second time. It's after he is uh, tries to enlist again, in which they note he had scarlet fever, which I was like, damn, that's hardcore. But... Uh, Something else, think, oh, go ahead. Something else I noticed was uh, on that sheet of his like conditions, one of those just says nervous trouble of any sort. Yeah. 
I thought that was I, weird, so I googled it, and apparently that was just sort of a like common affectation for anxiety anxiety disorders. Yeah, I was looking at some of it. And it was just like had household connection to tuberculosis, and then the bottom one said related to someone who had cancer, and I'm like, wow, that is. Like, that tells you how bad they were at diagnosing cancer in the 40s or how worse people getting cancer has gotten. Because I don't think I know some, not one person who doesn't have, like, at least an aunt or an uncle who, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that'd be on everyone's form. Yeah, I'm just I, like, that's insane. I also just kind of want to make – write down most of those things as, like, my Twitter bio because I feel like they just describe me in any given time. I feel like <laughs> next time I have to update my insurance, I'm going to put down nervousness of any sort. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So uh, my, It's probably going to bump up my premium, guys, but it's going to be a great joke. So uh, another thing that I picked up on that I uh, I caught only because of my ex- my, my um, excruciating, like, um, uh, gaze while watching movies like this for this podcast – was in the World of Tomorrow uh, section that has uh, Howard Stark during the World's Fair, pre-Captain America, Steve Rogers on a double date. It's going very poorly. Yeah. Um, it, it, they pass over a tube with like a guy in a red suit, a mannequin yeah, in a red suit. Yeah, the original suit. Human Torch. Yeah, wasn't that cool? I didn't catch yeah, that, that the first great. time Yeah, that was great. I remember seeing that in a the theater, and I was just like, oh, that's such a great like reference that will go over most people's head, but is like, so satisfying. If you look above it, it says something about uh android man which is what the original human torch was he was a robot who could catch on fire and he was one of the original invaders which was a a comic team which was captain america the human torch and namor so it was like a a neat little inclusion that i really dug i like too that if you listen when stark's talking about the thing he's driving he mentions that it is stark brand repulsor tech which is what Tony Stark eventually uses to create and main, and fly the Iron Man suit is repulsor tech. So many they good actually need, So there's tons of references in this, which I think work out like really well. Uh, also, there's a scene where they mention that you know Steve Rogers tried to sign up as a soldier from Ohio. So you know, suck it, no Chicago in that list, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're an Ohio native, I'm still sticking it to you. <laughs> also, were you kind of hoping Stanley Tucci would be a little bit more of his character from Devil Wears Prada? Nope. <laughs> uh, I didn't think that. Although I appreciate both him and Agent Carter know how to do an accent. You know who doesn't know how to do an accent? What? Wait, wait. Agent Carter's not doing an accent. That woman's really British. I don't care. The fact <laughs> is that her accent is good, is the yeah, point well, I'm her, making. Her natural accent is killer. I don't care. The point is that in this film, her accent is acceptable. Uh, uh, however, um, uh, Dar- uh, Stanley Tucci's accent is garbage. It's not great. <laughs> it's garbage. I don't think... Uh, I don't think... Uh, the Red Skull's accent is great. It's, it's like, okay. It's, it's, well, it's got that villain good. affectation to it that also sort of confuses it because like you're doing German and you're also being evil, so you kind of have this like extra thing going on. I guess the thing that I that I always think when people do German accents is they're always like, oh, they'll say every W is a – or they'll say every V is a W because in German that's how you pronounce Vs and stuff. But then they always leave out that like you pronounce Fs like Vs in German. So they should be saying every word that has an F in it, like, but they don't. Because that's not common knowledge. And then it's just like – it's weird because he has like perfect – like idiom perfect English. But he doesn't realize that he's saying the word victory, victory. Like it's just <laughs> – to me, I'm just like you can't have that good at English and not realize you're saying it wrong. Yeah. That's he, just a small – but yeah, Stanley Tucci's accent is not great. But this this early sequence – okay, so, so one thing to cover here is we talk about it in all of our podcasts that we have sort of an NAOS rule that – a typically good origin story 
is completed in the first 30 minutes. And this movie doesn't get there. That is being generous, I think, for most films. If you can't get to your superhero in 30 minutes, you've done something horribly wrong. And this movie breaks it. Uh, we get The Captain America, like transformation in the lab sequence is at like 10 is at like 38 minutes and then so we don't you got a little extra time before he you know when he's like in the service in the uh the uh uh doing shows which i don't know if you want to where you want to call the origin story complete really but uh either way the origin of him getting the super soldier serum that's you know in that case we just barely acceptably make it with like uh you know plus or minus like seven or eight minutes but uh, uh, but 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 the the formula holds up because you have to get your character moving along on this path of being a hero at some goddamn point because you cannot dawdle longer. You can't. One famous example is Batman Begins. While it's a perfectly good movie, it took like an hour twenty to get to Batman. Like that's yeah rough. And in some ways, I, I mean, like, as much as I enjoy the scenes where he's being trained and they are like, you know, he actually is the better hero because they show, like, what a good person he is and he's smart and blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, he, he does the Mulan. He does the Mulan thing. Yeah, but he in pl- a way, I was g- like, gets you, the flag. Could, you could cut that all out and it really wouldn't affect him. Like, if he, it had just been Erskine who was like, no, I'm picking him. And then they just went straight to him being, like, volunteered. Like, maybe yeah. just done the scene in the barracks. You know what I mean? Because... One thing I found surprising was out the action scene where Captain America goes and rescues the 107th. Before that, you know, they're, they're showing all this footage of him in, like, fake newsreels. And then they're like, all right, he's going to take on Hydra. And then they show what is essentially the exact same footage as they showed in the fake newsreel, which I don't know if that was on purpose. But it's like the – it's just like a montage of him just winning. And you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like nothing. You're just like, oh, I guess they, they beat – Hydra then? Like there's just Yeah, the movie just shots shows... of him throwing shields and shooting a pistol and then they're just like Hydra's done. I was like, oh, cool beans. Yeah, the, the movie showed you a propaganda campaign being made and then pitched you one in the movie. Yeah. Like, that it was being bizarre. like and some of the shots are shot like almost the exact which I'm like they had to have done on purpose, but I don't know to what end. Yeah, it's basically like they said, uh we're gonna we're gonna pitch to you that Captain America is a complete character. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're yeah. going to give you a montage, uh, 80s movie style, and then just move on. Like, is it a good idea? Not really. I could have... Well, but the problem is, is that you're trying to fit a lot in here. This movie has too much. It does a better job with handling too much than other movies that we have accused of the very same thing. But... It's doing too much. It has to introduce you to the Captain America's origin story. It tries to force a love sequence into this film. It then packs in like rescue missions and Captain America fighting the war while also Hugo Weaving doing this Tesseract stuff so you can set it up for the Avengers movie. It's got maybe just a, just an ounce more stuff than it needs to be. Um, I will say, though, I would watch an entire movie of the Howling Commandos uh, yeah. just doing stuff. Also, did you think that the black guy and the French guy were supposed to be a couple? Because they, like they have like an odd exchange when they're at the bar. Huh, I no, like, I missed that. I was just like, is this supposed to be like sort of like a progressive take to be like, yeah, there was gay people in the 40s? It's just weird. I don't know. Not like weird, like in a bad way. I was just like, oh, is that like meant or am I just reading too much into it? Who knows? Although uh, uh, it was nice to see Buck uh, got promoted from the the the, the uh, 
from Easy Company. From Easy Company up, yeah. up to the 107th. That was great to see. Yeah, Dum Dum Dugan, one of the most bizarre character names in the history of comics, who and, and character was alive outfits. forever. Yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, I have like a giant mustache, and eventually he has a bowler hat with like his his rank on it. You see that? Yeah. Like later on, <laughs> he's got like... They, he actually, he has a whole outfit when they're at the train, which is not utilized because after they travel, after they zip line to the train, he is not in the movie anymore, more or less. Like he's yeah, he's in the final shot. He's one of the, he repels in with his shotgun, but yeah, he is basically the Howling Commandos are like introduced and then just like relegated to the pat like the back end, like so quick that you're just like I don't know why'd you even bother in some ways. You yeah, I mean? like it's it's one of those things where I would have enjoyed. Instead of that montage, you cut down a little more at the beginning. Give me a ten-minute scene where they're all together, actually doing something. Yeah, doing a cool like, uh, like I mean, mission like, or, or they even interacting. Sort of downplay the fact that Barnes is supposed to be a sniper, which later in the next movie would be important to know that he was a really good shot. There's only one scene where they show him shooting some guy, and it's not even that spectacular of a shot. You know, it's just like maybe they should have played up more like the what would later be the Winter Soldier esque parts of him. Um, which, like I said, they did change this, that he falls off a train versus, uh, which makes you wonder how the Russians got him, because I thought they were in Germany. But uh, I guess it's Hydra that gets him in the in the movie, isn't it? In the movie universe. Anyways, uh, fuck, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> there is something I thought was odd. Did you think, in the secret base at the beginning, when they're giving Steve Rogers the serum, did you think it was bizarre that they were like, who should man the front door? And like, I don't know, do we know any, like, 75 year old women who will give a tommy gun to i was just like you couldn't find like at least a woman in her 40s like don't give me a woman who is very aged and should not be firing in like at a, an automatic rifle it was just weird i thought that was such a bizarre choice and she does she goes down guys she does not make it nope she doesn't survive because they didn't really think that one out did they yeah, also, it was sort of like when they sent Steve Rogers over to entertain the troops, but he's just doing, like, the war bond speech. Soldiers can't, yeah. aren't going to buy war bonds, guys. <laughs> it just it's seemed like an odd offensive. place to send. Yeah. Although I do love that this, um, it, the, 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 this movie, the script of it would have had to have had someone wrote down Hitler punch montage, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that, that would have to be a thing that someone wrote down at some point or storyboarded at some point, and I'm just thrilled by that. Well, I like it because you know they do show when they show the Captain America comic, it's the original cover from the very first Captain America in which he is punching Hitler, and that's the reference in the play. And the thing that I think is is sort of weird is they make the Captain America costume that he wears in that scene is the actual Captain America costume from the comics, and it's supposed to be like, isn't it goofy? But I'm like, no. It, it works. Like, if you would put effort into making it not look like it was made out of, like, shitty cotton, there's no reason to update that costume. I was like, it, it's a surprisingly good costume, <laughs> despite, you know, uh, you know, I don't mind the new costume they came up with, but I do like that, like, sort of the joke costume. I was like, no, I, I like that one better. Give me those weird boots. Like, uh, or, weird, like, rollover. Uh, yeah. Or the wings. How about the the little, like, little, like, I, like, like, temple wings he's got going on there? That. That bums me out that they took those off of his costume. Yeah. I, they, they left him on like as like sort of a flourish, but that's like one of the weird aspects of Captain America's costume, which has never gone away. And is just like, yeah, he's got wings on the side of his head. What? Like they just don't really like. No one explains the premise. It's just one of those things. I'm like, it's it was like a 40s style choice that worked, and they were just like, fuck it, we're never changing it. Uh, uh, 
I know that in, oh. a, in a later comic, uh, like a recent comic, uh, they they pitched the idea during a conversation that Cap admits to killing Hitler. Really? Yeah, I've I've just, seen that. I think it was meant as a joke, so I don't know if it's taken as canon, but I kind of like to think that it is. <laughs> I, I don't know, because I, I don't think the war is over when he dies, but although, who knows? I mean, they've read No, not, not in the movie or anything, but... Uh, oh, you, you no, I mean comics. in the comics, too. Yeah, it, it's, it's a strange works. concept. I don't think it's legit, but I do enjoy that it's pitched. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, in the comics, Hitler comes back as a character named Hatemonger. That sounds horrible. <laughs> he, his brain is transferred into a new body. By uh, Dr. Zola, who in the comics has transferred his brain into a robot suit, which the suit is like a man with like a little TV camera for a head. And his chest is just a plate that has Zola's face on it. In this movie, they decided to just have him be played by Truman Capote. Like, did you notice how much that dude kind of looks like Truman Capote? Like, is wow. everything? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, I, I just I just verified. Yeah, Hatemonger was a Marvel character. Uh, he is he is a purple KKK member. Holy shit! Oh yeah, he and at one point he switches his outfits like a orange jumpsuit with like a big purple H on it for Hitler or Hatemonger. Oh good, you know Hitler would have loved that. <laughs> and at one point he just looks like Hitler. He has the mustache and everything. It, it's like one of those things where you're just like, wow. Who at Marvel was like, you know who we should bring back. <laughs> Hitler. And nobody was like, you know he was a real person. Untapped market here, guys. for the Holocaust. Hitler. <laughs> we shouldn't bring him back. But, but think about it. the merchandise. We can sell Hatemonger t-shirts and Hatemonger KKK. I guess, though, they were like, hey, we don't even need a backstory for why you should hate him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hitler. It's called Easy Well, that's Rock. Nazis. Like, Nazis are the easy... Nazis and aliens are, like, the easy villains because you could just introduce them and they automatically come with a reason for them to die. And I feel like... The like the like the the ratings boards like like just don't like pay attention to when you murder Nazis like it's fine that that yeah, guy they got blown up. Yeah, you a message just like not violent enough. Yeah, <laughs> let's get a few more of those dead. Um, so Bucky gets captured a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like over not, and over. <laughs> he's not real great. It's kind. Of, it's sort of surprising that he becomes such a great assassin because he has a real tough time not getting beat up or caught or. So we covered a lot of the main plot points. So I'm going to segue wildly. Uh, I forgot Natalie Dormer was in this. Yeah, in one of the most bizarre, like cameo roles that is as pointless as possible. <laughs> Could have lost it. Uh, for your reference, if you are listening to this without having watched it, Natalie Dormer appears as a British intelligence, like basically like grunt soldier. She's not doing anything special. She's like she's, manning she's a desk. American, just for the record. Oh, she's American. I guess that's right. She doesn't have an accent. Yeah, you know, she's just is- like. Yeah, she's just manning a desk. She's and not then... doing a spot-on accent, like right. And then Captain America, Steve Rogers, shows up, and of course he's handsome and has just rescued four hundred soldiers. Uh, so she just starts making out with him, and then uh, it's supposed to be sort of like a wedge between Agent Carter and Steve Rogers, but that that love story doesn't really develop ever after that moment. You know what I mean? Well, it developed before who? You mean between him and Dormer or between him and Carter? Him and Carter doesn't doesn't really get full fledged. You know, well, the never... idea is supposed to be when she goes to ask him to come that day that it's supposed to be like she, you know, is digging him. And oh, like, right. And but I'm saying like, thing, a, but then in terms of payoff, she just no... kind of falls in love with him because she realizes he's in love with her because he's got her picture in his compass. Yeah. 
And, like, that is sort of the thing where you're just like, oh, okay. And, I mean, it was the 40s. I mean, she walks in and, don't get me wrong, she's a beautiful woman. She walks in in that red dress. She looks very gorgeous. But it's like they play it like she walks in in, like, the sexiest, most. And it's just like a very modest red dress. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was just the 40s. It didn't take much to really drive men crazy, I guess. So um, the train sequence, right? Uh-huh. This is where uh, Cap and Bucky and one other guy uh, from the Highland Commandos, whose name I don't think it's said, and I, or I forgot let's, it. Let's go ahead and name the Highland Commandos. You've got Dum Dum Dugan, who I only yeah. know his name because it's they, so I weird. Think they may actually call him Dum Dum in the movie. Then you've got non-white guy, <laughs> French guy, guy whose nationality is confusing. The problem and is it- Japanese guy from the Bronx. If I told you their names, it wouldn't stick. Uh, uh, the the black Howling Commando is Gabe Jones. The Japanese uh, Howling Commando is Jim uh, Morita. These are their names, not their actor names. It sounds like I'm saying actor names. I'm saying character names. Um, there's one of them is James Montgomery Faltsworth. I think he's the Brit. And then oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's the other guy. And then the the French guy is Jacques. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't even have a last name. I think he does, but it's not here. <laughs> That's meant they were just like, fuck, he's French. He's French. Um, so they don't stand out as tremendously memorable names. So I guess there's a reason the movie doesn't try to get you to like remember them or pay attention to their names. They just want you to pay attention to their uh, over-dramatized cultural like, <laughs> iconography where they're like, I'm an Asian guy, I'm a Brit, and I'm like, I'm a crazy Frenchman, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, just but, like the most random... They're they're overlooking this train track where apparently the doctor that they're after is on this train. And they have run the gamut of ideas of how to stop a train. Uh, they apparently have not considered the ideas of um, derailing it, stopping it, breaking the tracks, destroying a bridge. I uh, believe, though, the issue is <clears throat> if you derail a train... The people inside are probably not going to live, especially not, in the 40s. I, you know, I mean, it's you're probably one of these super war trains, though. But uh, but really, a, a, any technique that might work, they abandon, and instead they zip line just three of the commandos uh, onto the rooftop. It just doesn't seem like a great plan. No, it does not. It seems like there's a lot of different ways you could have stopped it. That were yeah, you could just just collapse stuff onto. A, a, a flat stretch of it and force it to stop. You know, well, and then and what's, I, what's sort of bizarre is the way they end up stopping it is one of them just walks to the front of it and shoots out a skylight and drops down. So it's like, why wasn't that the plan to begin with? Why did they go in anywhere else into the train? Should have started there because the yeah. train sequence is weird. It's kind of cool because seeing Cap and Bucky together is the best. Yeah. And I wish that the MCU had more of it because Civil War gives you more of it when he's like the sort of like recovered Winter Soldier. Uh, and it's fucking the best. But this movie gives you like a short sequence with basically three guys. Like it would be it would be like the first level of a video game. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just like a couple of guys and then like a nameless dude in like a, a big big gun suit. Uh, it's kind of lame. And I realize that uh, there are some incredible action sequences in this movie, but there's a lot of ones that get truncated to just this, where they, they show up and they kick their way into a train and you're ready for a, a rock and roll battle. And there's just like a kind of weak, weak gunfight. And then there's just an explosion and he just flies out of the train and he's gone. And yeah, it's... like I was expecting it to be more like the elevator scene in Winter Soldier, where it's like him like beating the crap out of people in an extremely tight, enclosed space. 
You know what I mean? Where it's like, that would have been cool if they had gone in and like he had gone into a set of the train. It was just full of Hydra soldiers who were like not expecting him to get on the train or whatever. Right. And just like fought to tooth like his last breath. Like something much like he did in uh, Snowpiercer. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted this segment to be Snowpiercer. Right. It is weird to see him on the train again. Um, But yeah, that seems to be like what you kind of expect. But instead you get kind of a weak sequence. And a couple of the action sequences are like this. The, The montage we talked about was... Was was like theoretically cool, but offered no real interest. It, there's, and, a, there's like no real action. It's just like a sizzle reel. There's like a scene of him throwing a shield at one guy. There's a scene of him hitting a guy in a tree. There's a scene of him shooting somebody. But none of them are like action scenes. They're just like events that are occurring. There's no like, you know, I wanted more scenes of him like beating the shit out of people. Like that's the best parts of. I think the Captain America movies is when he like just fights a person, not like in right, a gun because, battle, but because he's just a dude. So it's interesting when he's fighting, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it makes for an interesting film. You know, like when he fights Batrock in Winter Soldier, it's great. And it's really just a dude doing parkour with nothing there, but it still works, you know, and it's an interesting fight. This is just not interesting. Yeah, that's the problem with about half of the fight sequences is they don't take into account the interesting brutality and creative element um to cap because not only is he like not only is like you said he's a human and he's just like a regular mortal who has to like constantly be creative and moving and never stop and and be acrobatic and agile but he's also like the 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 boy scout so he's he's not traditionally like picking up ak's and gunning people down so there's a sort of like element where he's like almost disarming everyone you know like he's not he's he's blowing up tanks and stuff so he's not like He's not like a non-kill guy, but he does seem to enter a lot of his fights being like, I'm just going to knock everyone to the ground uh, in a room, which is super fun to watch. It's like watching like a, a Kung Fu film. It's like watching Jet Li like go it's, in a room and just yeah. beat everybody up. Um, so you love it and you don't get anywhere near enough of it in this movie. No, I like that is I wish there was more. Like I said, that scene in the elevator in Winter Soldiers is like a perfect example of him just, like, beating the shit out of just, like, a group of, like, just dudes. Because as strong as Captain America is, he's still just an ordinary dude. Like, he's just as strong as a person can possibly be. And he doesn't, you know, I mean, he's, like, the peak of human existence. He's not technically superhuman. You know I mean? Although in this movie, there's some things, like, the, the speed at which he can run is questionable. And in Civil War, it's real confusing. They seem to be able to run as fast as cars, which is not possible. But, yeah, I mean, they kind of don't really in the movies. It's vague as to how strong he is and stuff. But I like the idea that he it's that he's like Batman. You know, I mean, he's just a dude who's just in really good shape. Like, you know what I mean? And he fights like a dude would fight. He, and he, he has to worry about being shot because it can kill him. And that interesting stuff, which I just in this movie, it doesn't feel like there's enough of. Which I, I mean, it could, I mean, not to say that this movie isn't good. And I know some of this stuff that we're criticizing is this movie was, I think, kind of rushed to be like, you got to get it done. So I think one of the things they probably were like, we don't have time for is long fight choreography. Yeah, I mean, because this movie was not necessarily rushed, but they were like, you, we need this out because we got Avengers coming. So, you know, I mean, they might have just been sort of that idea to be like, just tell the story, forget all the bells and whistles, you know. We'll give you a couple of good action scenes, and that's it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely like it's definitely clear that they they had to they had to build a couple of movies in here, and they do a good job, way more than I could 
expect them to do because like i said when superhero movies get complicated they they absolutely cave in i mean we've seen it over and over again yeah we have many more to come that will do the same thing and this one holds a lot of care a lot i mean think about it you got captain america you got uh you got tommy lee jones's military character you've got agent carter you've got the entire howling commandos you've got uh uh zemo you've got uh not zemo but zolo yeah zola you've got the red skull you've got Barnes, you've got i mean like they introduce literally 90 percent of captain america in one film which is crazy you know what i mean like they build up his relationship with the original agent carter which was a thing in the comics and i was surprised that they kept with it in the movies that he wants to date her niece <laughs> sort yeah. of which is that's where the joke in austin powers comes from the idea that he dates because he's been frozen that he wakes up and he dates like the daughter of the girl he used to date and it's like, that's sort of weird when you really think about it in a way that he's just dating someone who's related to the woman he used to be in love with. Um, but that that is something that's also insane in Captain America is they reveal in the Winter Soldier that Agent Carter's still alive. Uh, you realize she'd have to be like 110. I mean, she'd have to be so old. Cause she's got to be like in her early 20s to early or mid 20s to early 30s in that movie. And it's like she's still alive 70 years later. She's got to be at least 100. It's crazy. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, I forgot what I was just going to say. Oh, I did enjoy in uh, the Red Skull's plane at the end, whatever it's called. I don't remember. Uh, that they labeled all the bombs. So when the guys got in, they knew what city to fly towards. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, which one am I? Oh, I'm Boston. Here we go. Oh, I, got, I got Chicago. <laughs> oh, there was a Chicago bomb. No Ohio bombs, though, guys. I no. lived. No I wondered if the, the reference right. to Ohio was a reference to the 1990s Captain America where he ends up in Springfield, Ohio. I really? wondered if that was like a nod to be like, hey, remember that terrible piece oh, of shit? God, we get, I can't wait to watch those. Uh, the 1991 also has like the Red Skull that's like... Uh, He's Italian. Someone... Yeah, the Italian, Italian Red Skull, and then someone just like glued a bunch of like red, like yeah, he's like, had tacky he's had, like, to his head, Mickey Rourke plastic surgery. Yeah, or it's just like not good plastic surgery to try to cover up the fact that he used to. Have God, a I'm dying for that one. Uh, a couple of last thoughts for me. Uh, rain check on that dance is a kind of a shitty line. I didn't care for it. I uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I appreciated what they were trying to do, and I do think in some ways they nailed some of like the fact that they were like, well, you know. This can't be like the traditional romance because this is the 40s. Like things weren't like they are now, and I felt like they did play play it well. But it is like sort of weird where he's like, "I'm gonna have to take a rain check." It's like, dude, you're about to die. But I also that was something I did appreciate was the change to his uh, how he ends up frozen. Is I like that this one was more of a heroic choice that he's like, "I have to do it." Because in the original yeah. comic, what happens is him and Bucky are on a buzz bomb, which is like a bomb that's like an airplane. And they're trying to get off of it, and it's been retconned like 90 different ways. But the story is Captain America falls off, and Bucky gets stuck, and he can't get off, and it explodes. And Captain America thinks it kills Bucky. But, you know, later it's revealed that he actually lived, but he lost his arm. He was all beat up, blah, blah, blah. So it's sort of like in the comic, it's like, oh, he kind of just ends up frozen out of bad luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's no choice of his. He doesn't make – I mean the sacrifices he tries to jump on the bomb and he realizes that it's a booby trap and it's rigged to explode. It's not actually going to go to where it's supposed to. But it, I like this better that he's like, no, I got to take it down. But then what's sort of weird is the plane doesn't explode, so he really didn't need to crash it. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I guess he could have just landed it anywhere. Also, it yeah. sticks together surprisingly well for a crash landing. 
Yeah, I also figured that with all those bombs and everything, there must have been like a parachute aboard. I feel like you just left. Yeah, I, it was sort of confusing. Uh, other things that are kind of odd is uh, the not the Hydra agent who has the lighter, which does like literally everything. Like, yeah, he, he triggers like five bombs bomb. with it. Yeah, he, he triggers it to blow up a second bomb. He triggers it to bring up a, his submarine. I was just like. I don't know if why he was at that thing. Somebody was like, "Can I? Could you light my cigarette?" He'd be like, "Oh no, <laughs> I have to, I have to rotate this flint in a very specific way, and it will light your cigarette. But if I don't, <laughs> this this cigarette pack in my pocket is going to explode, or a submarine is just going to rise out of the bed. Yeah, one of the two. I can't be sure. <laughs> it's a real crapshoot, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. I did think, too, it's odd. I, there's a couple moments where they make Agent Carter a badass, which I appreciate that she is not, like, a damsel in distress, and she's sort of uh, the motivation to get him out from being, uh, like, a war bond salesman. She sort of says, like, you know, you can, you know, it's up to you what you do, and, you know, you were meant to be better, and it's, like, the kick of the pants he needs, whatever. I thought it was weird that she, like, expertly shoots a dude as he's driving away in a car, and then the guy starts driving at her in a different car, and she cannot hit him for shit. Oh, yeah, that other shot was way harder. This dude's driving in a straight line directly towards you. How are you missing him? I just thought that was, like, weird they put that in where it's, like, she's a super great shot. Nah, she's just an okay shot. Yeah, I, I, this really also reminded me, uh, flamethrowers are really Captain America's weak spot. Uh, every time one shows up, he just goes, oh, fuck, and, and stops fighting. <laughs> like, I am gonna, I'm going to tell you this. Flamethrowers are most human beings. <laughs> <laughs> but his shield really offers no help in this scenario. Uh, it's just going to get really warm. And that's like, there, there, there's two scenes. There's one where he's fighting the base, and those two guys run up and just spray fire around him, and he just, like, quits. He's like, which, whoa, I'm out. Which I did and, wonder, too, because I was like, is he just giving up on purpose so they'll capture him for part of the plan so he can get into the base? Or is he really just like, I, I can't think of a way to get out of this, because... Just it seems like that. Yeah. And then like, it happens again later on when he's in like a hallway and Agent Carter has to blow the guy up. But uh, yeah, he's just sort of like a flamethrower guy shows up and he's like, oh, fuck. And just like goes in a doorway like someone help. Which awful. has been crazy because then in Avengers, he's fighting like alien monsters. And he's like, I got this. And oh, thank God none of them brought flamethrowers. Yeah, that would be just the worst. Good thing they didn't watch my movie. Uh, I also thought that it was like really good luck that the Vita rays they bombarded Steve Rogers with also increased the inseam on the pants he was wearing. When they opened it up, <laughs> he grew like a foot and a half, and the, those pants are still tailor fitted. Uh, nobody thought to be like, we need to give him some belt, like you know, some high rises in case like the floods coming. Like it's just weird. The pants perfectly fit him again. I thought that was an interesting choice. I also found in reading in uh, something about that that scene uh, is apparently Agent Carter's reaction to him in his full like Steve Rogers powered up form, where she sort of almost like reaches out to like touch his peck and then like yeah. withdraws her hand, was a genuine reaction from the actress, surprised to see how how much Chris Evans had just bulked up. Oh, really? And they kept it into her embarrassment. That's what she it said works. in the interview. It's, it's yeah. Like, and it's like a real, like, again, like a that time period sort of reaction where she would be like, ooh, I can't touch this dude's chest, like, in the middle of a room full of people. That's yeah. Weird. I was a little disappointed that when they put the restraints on him to pump the super soldier serum into him, he didn't go, ooh, that's cold. I wanted a little Willem Dafoe reference in there yeah. from Spider-Man. I feel like everyone has to do that. But then again, this is this is a trope-dodging film, so... True. 
I also just found it surprising that uh, the movie starts with a man heckling war footage. Is that was that something that happened a lot? Men would go to see movies and heckle the newsreel. I yeah, thought that was like a, I was like I wonder if it did happen, but it's sort I of got this fun. weird confusion because all like the white guys in this movie looked very much identical. Yeah. Uh, when they showed that guy that that bully. I thought he was the same guy who's sort of like uh, the one of like the nameless antagonists during the boot yeah, camp yeah. sequences. He looks like the same guy. And I'm like, is it the same guy, the bully? It's not the same guy. But I thought that too at first. I was like, is that the bully? He just doesn't recognize him. And then I was like, yeah. oh, I'm dumb. That's an entirely different actor. It's just, it's just looks, in the 40s, white guys look all the same. Uh, also, pretty kind of a lame Stanley cameo in this one. Didn't care for it. Oh, yeah, isn't he one of the generals or something? I don't even remember where he's, he's at. He's a general, and, like, Captain America doesn't show up to some presentation, and he's, like, some oh, other guy yeah. comes out to yeah. announce that fact, and he's like, Captain America's smaller. And I'm like, oh, Stanley. Go back to being the mailman in Fantastic Four. I like that more. He does play delivery men well. Uh, at the end of Civil War, he plays a UPS guy or a FedEx guy. Yep, that's I right. was impressed to see, too, that they, they went ahead and set up the fact that the Red Skull invented Too Fast, Too Furious because his car has, like, Nas in it. You know, like nitrous oxide. So good. So, yeah, they find that buried in ice. <laughs> yeah, they find that buried in ice. And they I, invent, they they invent, invent drifting. Yeah, they, you know, Tokyo drifting. I also thought that, like, that car's design was designed by the dude who made all the aliens in Avatar, where he was like, we'll just give it extra legs. They was give this car extra wheels. That would make the car much harder to control. Yeah, it would be extra. way harder. Like, there's a reason a semi's extra wheels are on the back, not the front. <laughs> you can't turn a car with three wheels in the front. I just thought that was, like, a bizarre inclusion. And the fact that he has a... Zola get in and drive away, and he tells him not to scratch. And then there's like a literal shot of him driving off in it. It was just a I I not really figure out what was the purpose of that. Yeah, the, there was no reason to do all of that really, and not to mention the fact that at the time there was soldiers raiding the base, and they could have easily like just shot him as he was driving yeah. away. Yeah. Also, can we talk real quick about the hail hydra pose just as we wrap up? I don't, I don't like it. You don't it's, like it? It's a real dumb pose. Like, just two fists up in the air. Like yeah. a play on the Nazi salute. But it's just real dumb looking when people do it. Do it yeah, right now like... in your apartment or your house. Yeah. And right. tell me if you don't look stupid. Well, Hydra. Yeah, yeah. It feels, <laughs> it feels dumb. Did uh, I have to yell? Did you ask me to yell? <laughs> no, that, that was a turn of events I could not have foreseen. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> take... Your wife is very concerned right now. Sarah is calling the NSA. Nobody take the uh, audio of me saying Hail Hydra and use it against me, please. Please do. Thank when you. Ben runs for uh, some sort of council position in Chicago, be like, <laughs> little do you know that Ben Chapman is really a secret Hydra agent. Oh, shit. Your political career's over before it started. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to mention about the film? No, I think I covered it. Uh, I, I would recommend it. Uh, if you haven't watched it in a while or if you've never seen it, uh, revisit it. I think it's fucking solid. Uh, for some reason, like I said, like it doesn't inspire me to like want to watch it over and over again. But it's just like really sitting down to analyze the script and characters. It pulls off what many, many superhero movies that we've watched so far absolutely fuck up. It, it uh, is way better than it has any right to be considering what the movie was. It was a straight setup. Four Avengers. A brand new uh, character, uh, a, a pre-existing 
I would call failed superhero actor doing a new role that everyone disagreed with, uh, with the director of Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, and I, I looked up, he did The Rocketeer, too. So I guess this yep. was in his wheelhouse. Yeah, and the Narnia writers, uh, the script writers. Uh, like, none of that says, oh, that's going to just be a home run. But this this movie also does, and we talked about it in the mini, but it did really well financially and critically. It did extremely yes. well. And I, I think the when you look at it, you got to look at it against Thor. Thor was another movie that was not, again, rushed into production, but it was the idea they, they wanted to do an Avengers movie, so they needed a Thor movie. And if you watch that movie... It's really a non-start of a film. It's it. They just explain who Thor is. There's a not that interesting battle, and the movie resolves itself. There's no real stakes in a way to the movie. It's more of all personal stakes. And I think Captain America does a great job of being a standalone movie, even though it is legitimately just a setup movie. And the movies after credit scenes is literally a trailer for Avengers. You know, there's no, yeah, that, the scene not, is, is just a clip from the Avengers. Yeah. And so these setup movies are tough. They're, yeah, they're you, ugly. I, I mean, it, it's think about like any other movie where there's a setup film. I, if you look at like the pirates of the Caribbean movies, that second movie is pointless. It's, it's only a setup for the third movie. And that movie is garbage because you don't care at the end of the movie. There was no reason to watch that movie. I feel like Thor, I have no interest in ever watching Thor again. I didn't find it to be that interesting of a film when it came out. And, I mean, I'll watch it for this podcast, but I, I'm not going to go out of my way probably to ever see it again. I will – I've watched Captain America a couple of times. You know, I don't watch it, you know, once a month or anything, but I've probably seen it three or four times since it came out in its entirety. And I think it, it nails a very hard market. Or a very hard, like, sort of genre as the setup film to a franchise. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's surprising to have yet another night where we're not mad to have watched one of these movies. Is this going to be a new pattern for us, or, or are we going to watch Batman versus Superman next? Well, I was going to say, I think we needed this because you were definitely not happy about that circus. I wasn't. <laughs> and I, I was, was not wild about Josie and the Pussycats. So I think we <laughs> needed to really bring something back that made us remember that not every comic book movie is, you know, a bag of garbage that's been sitting in the sun for three weeks. Uh, so I think that's it for this movie. If you would like to add a comment to our conversation, if you disagree with something, you have a fun little fact about the production, a funny action figure or something you want to pass along, leave us a message at facebook.com slash naospod. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Rate us on whatever app you listen to us on, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever you use. And uh, spread the word. You can follow Ben at Disco Pony on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at its folks or tweet at NAOSPod, which is the Twitter for this podcast. I think that's it. Unless you had something else you wanted to throw in. Nope. Just that uh, I 